know, the people who know all about how church ought to go, they tell you not to do. So we're breaking a rule. We are ending a series today. And uh, I, I, hopefully it'll, it'll be clear to you why as we go. We started a series four weeks ago called Seeing Jesus. And today we're going to do the last message in that series. We talked about in this series what happens when a person sees Jesus for who he really is. Not who people say he is. Not who we grew up thinking he was. Not, not what someone may have misrepresented him to be, but what happens when a person sees him for who he really is. So we talked about what happens when a seeker sees him. What happens when a hopeless person? What happens when a desperate person? Last week, you can grab those on our podcast if you'd like to listen to them. Today we're going to talk about what happens when a disconnected person sees Jesus. Now when I say sees, I don't mean, I don't mean physically. I mean spiritually. What happens when we come to an understanding of who Jesus really is? Not who the culture or the media or anybody else says he is. What happens when we see the real him? Now, uh, how many of you have ever been to um, uh, Gatlinburg, Tennessee? How many of you? I, I would guess it's most everybody. Been to Gatlinburg. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, I haven't been since it burned down. Hopefully they're, they're getting that fixed. How many of you uh, went to or know where the Ripley's Believe It or Not Museum is? Come on. Okay, a little bit harder question now. <laughs> how many of you, this is going to take some honesty, how many of you paid to get in? Come on, like you went in that thing, right? You looked at all the weird stuff and you said, oh, I got to know more. Well, there's this little um, water faucet, if you remember. You, how many of you remember this? Right out front, yeah. And it's this floating water faucet where all this water is gushing out but you can't figure out, you know, how the water, there's no back. Like it's not attached to a big giant sink or something. You can't figure out how the water's flowing. And, and uh, this is a good picture to me of the things in our society that uh, look real, seem real, might feel real. But we, we're all kind of suspicious when we go, there's gotta, that water's not just appearing, right? How I many you know the water's just not appearing? It's coming from somewhere. I don't know if you know it or not, but supposedly in 1947, uh, an alien spacecraft crashed in New Mexico, right? You hear the report, or, or maybe you've heard about the latest Bigfoot sighting. How many of you have ever watched the, the TV show Finding Bigfoot or whatever it's called, right? Look, I, I, I don't, I don't want to be judgmental, but I think these are some middle school boys in their overalls looking for a reason to be out in the woods at 3 in the morning, making up stuff. They say, you hear that noise right there? That's the call of the Bigfoot. How do you know? How would you know that? The, you know what their favorite diet is? We've never found one. How would you know? What, I think when you don't know, you can make up anything and it has to be true, right? And so we have these stories in our culture that seem to have a semblance of truth or some familiarity with culture, but we say, you know, is it really true? And, and we can sometimes put Jesus in that same category. I mean, maybe what you say is true, maybe there's a God. I'm sure there's a God out there somewhere, but I don't really know how to find him. Or you know, those stories about God are comforting children's stories, but we all realize when we grow up that we're kind of on our own. I mean, let's just face it for a minute. To believe in God is kind of a stretch of faith because you can't see him, you can't touch him, you can't hear him, and if you've ever doubted that God was there or that he let you down, or if you feel disconnected today from God in some way, 
this message is just for you. Uh, in 2007, uh, maybe it was 2008 by this time, uh, one of our children was uh, diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. And if you know anything about that, uh, that's where your body doesn't produce insulin anymore. And uh, you have to go on to um, insulin injections. And so we were giving our five-year-old four shots a day and checking his blood sugar ten times a day, including at 10 a.m., uh, uh, 2 a.m. in the morning. And so it was, it, was a, it was a phenomenal lifestyle change for us. It was radical, and it was very painful. And, and I can remember coming to this moment where I believed that God was going to heal our son. And, and I can remember wondering, now what do I do? What do I do if God's going to heal him? What do I do? And I remember staying, I was up one night at 1 o'clock in the morning waiting you know, for his sugar to work. And I thought, you know what, I know God's going to heal him. So I, I turned his insulin off, and I thought, I'm just going to check his sugar every 30 minutes, and I'm just going to watch now how God's going to heal him. And every few minutes went by, and I would check, and his sugar went up, and I would check, and it went up, and I would check, and it went up, and I would check, and it went up. And for a few hours, we kept doing this until it got so high, I thought, I've got to do something. And so I had to start giving him insulin again. And we still give him insulin today. And God didn't heal him yet. And so what do you do with your faith? In moments like that, if I'm just honest with you today on Easter, it hurt my faith. It hurt my faith a little bit. I had to try to figure out, what are we going to do? If you've ever struggled to believe that God was real, you've come to the right place. We know how you feel. For a lot of people, God is kind of a good sentiment, but not very helpful on Monday. Most people believe in a good God of some kind, and maybe even accept that Jesus was a real person, and maybe even believe that he came back from the dead, but those are distant truths out there, they're not truths in here. For a lot of people, faith is like belief in Mars. I like, I believe it's up there, but so what? What does that matter? Well, there are two men in the Bible who felt that disconnection from God that we're talking about. It was Easter Sunday, Sometime in the afternoon, they were walking away from Jerusalem where Jesus had been crucified and killed and laid in the ground. And they were walking six or seven miles away to a little village called Emmaus. Jesus had been dead since Friday, and so they'd lost all hope. And they just started to walk back home, and uh, they met a stranger on the way and struck up a conversation. And we picked the story up in Luke 24, 13. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. Okay, so they're, they, there's all this turmoil going on. They're all upset and disappointed, and they've lost all their hope, and they don't know what to do now. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, watch this, Jesus himself. How I many you know things are about to change? Jesus himself. He didn't send an angel. He didn't send a prophet. He didn't send a pastor or a preacher. Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But watch, but watch. But they were kept from recognizing him. Now, isn't, isn't that an interesting paradox? Isn't it interesting that the very person they were talking about was walking beside them, but they didn't recognize him? 
The very answer to the deepest question was walking right beside them and they didn't even know it. So I want to give you a few thoughts this morning from this story. Here's the first one. Jesus is closer than you think. About 10 years ago, the Washington Post conducted an experiment in D.C. They arranged for the most famous, world-renowned, highly acclaimed violinist, Joshua Bell, to join them in the experiment. He went down into the subway uh, station at 7.45 in the morning during rush hour, the busiest time. He wore a baseball hat, a long-sleeved t-shirt, and jeans. And they positioned him in a place where he would see a lot of traffic. And he began to play his violin. And it wasn't just any violin. It was a three and a half million dollar Stradivarius violin that was handcrafted in 1713. Not just anything. You're not going to get this at Dollar General. <laughs> he played for 43 minutes. The best player in the world with the best instrument in the world. He played Bach like a master, and no one recognized who he was. You can watch it on YouTube. Look it up. It, it's uh, fantastic. There was a long line stationed near him with their back to him almost the entire time. People stood in line for more than 30 minutes uh, trying to check out, and they never recognized him. Not one person. Not one. The famed Joshua Bell invaded their common, busy, everyday world, but no one knew it. Is it possible that Jesus has been closer to you than you think? And you didn't know it. I was on a plane a few years ago, and uh, this guy sitting beside me and I struck up a conversation, and as the conversation kind of turned... Um, Toward, toward spiritual things, he was telling me a story about how he used to go to church when he was a kid, but he hadn't gone to church. He's maybe in his late 20s or 30. He hadn't gone to church since he was a young teenager. He's been out and away from all that. And he said, but you know, um, one thing I'm grateful for, I really had kind of a rough childhood and I lived in a rough neighborhood, but he goes, um, I, I always, uh, like when my friends would all go get off in trouble, and, and I wouldn't. I wouldn't go. I said, why wouldn't you go? He said, something inside just told me not to go. Well, we talked for 30, 45 minutes later, and um, as the conversation advanced, he, he eventually asked me this question. He didn't know I was a pastor. We were just talking. And he said, do you believe that, um, that God speaks to people? And I, and I said, I really do. I mean, I, I think it's rarely ever like audible where you can hear it with your physical ears, but I really do believe that God speaks. And he said, what do you think that sounds like? And the Holy Spirit just quickened my mind, and I said, do you remember when you were a kid, and all your friends were going off in trouble and trying to drag you away, and something inside you said, don't go? I said, I think that's what God sounds like. Is it possible that God's been working in your life longer than you know it, and he's closer than you think, and you just haven't recognized it? It may look like a coincidence. It may look like a random act of kindness. If you're feeling a little disconnected from God today, can I just suggest to you this morning that Jesus is closer than you think? Like air, like gravity, like time, we can't see those things. 
but they're all here and they're all working. Jesus is close to you and he's in this room and the fact that you came this morning is not an accident. God is at work in each one of our lives. Verse 17, he asked them, Jesus talking to the guys, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, you think you got problems, what if your name was Cleopas? Well, I mean, that'd be a mess, wouldn't it? You're talking about getting picked on. Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem? They're like, are you kidding me? Are you seriously? Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened there in these days? You're kidding me. You don't know what happened. And watch, watch. This is fascinating to me. Jesus said to them, what things? What things? Jesus himself. What things? Here's the second thought. Jesus cares more than you know. There's a subtle point here that I don't want us to miss today that if we don't look deeper in the story, we might, might miss. Jesus knew exactly where these two guys were at. He knew not only where they were physically, he knew where they were in their heart. And why, after he rose from the grave, why these two guys? Why did he himself show up personally walk alongside them why did he care that much jesus wanted to walk with him jesus knows what's in your heart and he wants to walk with you god's not mad at you today if you feel disconnected i found in my life and other people who i've prayed with when we feel disconnected from god we tend to feel a sense of shame and condemnation like god's somehow mad at us we hear these condemning voices. You better shape up. You better get in church. You better clean your life up. You better quit doing all this bad stuff. And I have no doubt in my mind there are people in this room this morning who have walked away from their faith. There was a time that you believed, but something happened. Or maybe you still believe, but you walked away from God's family. Somebody hurt you. Something got in the way. Your faith got cloudy. I have good news for you today. God loves you where you are. He doesn't condemn you and he doesn't shame you. He has come to walk alongside you today to guide you back to his presence and his purposes because he's a good God that loves you. You're not too far away. Did you notice that Jesus asked these guys an interesting question? Remember he said, they've been talking about the things that had happened, and he said, what things? Every time I see in the Bible God or Jesus ask a human a question, it fascinates me. I'm like, time out. You already know everything. Look, we all know somebody that thinks they know everything, right? Don't, don't, don't point to your spouse. It's not that kind of day. This, this, we'll do a marriage series later. That's not today. We all know somebody that thinks they know everything, and one of the hallmarks of a person who thinks they know everything is they don't ever ask anybody any questions because they already know everything. Jesus actually does know everything. Why, why is he asking questions? Jesus asked the question, 
Because he doesn't just want to know what's on their heart. He wants to know them. And that's a relationship. What an act of kindness that Jesus would take the time to ask them what things and then give them the ability to define it. He gave them a blank and said, fill it in. Jesus said, what things? Isn't, isn't that a funny word, things? It's like, well, what does it mean? It's generic. It can only be defined by its context. Hey, hand me those things. What things? Those things over there. What do they look like? Those things. And some of you even make up thingamajiggers. Thingamajiggers. Right there. Thingamajiggers. Jesus was asking these two men, what, do, what does the word things mean to you? You don't have to live long to realize that life is filled with some things. And everybody's got some things. A few years ago, we were honored to have a young man named uh, Bradley Charlie to come be part of our Master's Commission College. We have a um, kind of like a collegiate discipleship program here where young people come and receive college credit and are trained in um, leadership and ministry. And we had a young man named uh, Bradley Charlie who is from the Northwest Territories. That's northern Canada for all you southern folks. Way up there. Uh, it's 12 hours to the, to the nearest grocery store. 12 hours. And uh, something tragic happened. Oh, I've got a picture. This is him. For reasons that we still don't know, he, he in his 20s, after a couple of years uh, in our Master's Commission program, he, he passed away. They did an autopsy, and nobody knows the reason. Why, why did he pass away? What Was it a heart attack? Was it a stroke? Was it a, what was it? Still don't know. Can you imagine, if you're a parent, can you imagine what his mom and dad have gone through to try to understand how is there still no answer? He's just gone. And how many of you uh, remember him? You, you were here? Yeah, oh, a lot of you, yeah. And so he was the most kind and generous guy. You might not know this. His mom and dad and brother and sister um, saved up, and they came here last week. And they came to try to retrace his last footsteps and to just get to know the people that he knew. And to feel the presence of the church that he spent his last days in. Because they're trying to find some kind of meaning. And they're going to be here in second service today. So if you would remember, say a, say a little prayer for them. Because they need Jesus to walk right beside them. Friday night, uh, Bradley's mom and dad came to our Good Friday communion service. And I'm so glad because of this. I was able to look at them and say, I don't have any answers. And I don't understand why you're going through what you're going through. But I know one thing for sure. Jesus is close to you. Even when you don't feel it, he's close to you. And somehow he's going to help you. What, what about you? Do you have some things you don't understand? What things trouble your heart? What things keep you from following God? 
These two men were confused and discouraged because they couldn't understand how God would allow someone like Jesus to die. A man who never did anything wrong. A man who only did good everywhere he went. He taught and he healed and he served. And he fed hungry people. And they couldn't understand how God would allow him to die. Can I tell you something today? Jesus has an incredible ability to make sense of things. Maybe you have some disappointments you don't know what to do with it. Maybe today it's just time for you to let go of some things. Well, these two men told Jesus everything that was on their heart. When he said, what things, they answered. And then Jesus responded, if you read the whole story, by explaining to them from the Bible how everything that had happened in Jesus' life had been predicted. And then we pick the story up in verse 28. As they approached the village, so they've been walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus, to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us for it's nearly evening, the day's almost over. So he went in to stay with them. Look at this, verse 30. When he was at the table with them, he broke bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened... And they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. And they looked at each other and said, Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scripture to us? I only have one point left this morning. And I am hoping with everything in my heart that it will be familiar to most of you. Number three, Jesus is closer than you think. You say, didn't, wasn't that number one? Yes, but he's closer than you think. Number one was what you thought then. Now number three is, really, really, he's closer than you think. You might not feel him. You may have no sign that he's close. And, and, and none of that changes the reality that he's close. What I love is, is Jesus went to these guys' house. He didn't just say, work it out. Good luck. Throw a penny in a wishing well. Hope things turn out okay. He went to their house, sat at their table, ate with them. And as they were eating together, their eyes were open and they saw Jesus. Now watch this. They didn't just see a man. It wasn't a UFO or Bigfoot. It was Jesus back from the dead. They were looking in the eyes of resurrection. The tomb was empty and their eyes were open. Notice, once they saw Jesus for who he really was, what did they say? They said, did our hearts not burn in our chest when he was explaining the scripture to us earlier? Here's what always happens. Once you see Jesus in the present, you then can see how he's been working in your past. But you couldn't see it till you saw him then. What happens when a disconnected person sees Jesus? You begin to see how Jesus has been working all over your life. And when you start to walk with them day by day, you look in the behind you and you see more evidence and more evidence and more evidence and more evidence. He's been there. We just couldn't see. This moment when their eyes were opened is what this entire series has been about. But we're not the first people 
to talk about that. People have talked about this moment when a person's eyes are opened for centuries. In 1602, an Italian artist painted a picture of Jesus sharing this meal with these men. I wanted to show it to you this morning. If you can, if you can see that, it's a little, a little bit dark maybe. But this is Jesus in the middle and then three guys around him. Notice a couple of things in the, in the portrait. Uh, the artist decided to paint Jesus with no beard. Why with no beard? That's a subtle way to say they didn't recognize him. But what the artist was trying to capture was that one moment, that single second, when their eyes were opened. And do you see how they're all kind of dr dramatically uh, expressing themselves and backing up and moving away? They're like, whoa, 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 whoa. You mean all this time it was you? The one man on, on this side is pushing his chair back from the table. You know why? He's making room for you and I to come up to the table. A basket of fruit, do you see that at the very front of the table? It's half off the table like it's about to fall off. Because what the artist is saying to us is, hey, come, come catch it. It's luring us in. And do you see Jesus' gesture is like this? Come on, come on, come on. And boy, I think that's just a good place for us to end today. Jesus' arms, wide open, inviting us to come close. So I'm going to ask the worship team if you would come. And I want to ask you if you'll stand with me today. And I'm going to ask our prayer team if you would come and get into place. You know the thing about Easter is, If you live in the South, you probably know the story. You probably know the story. But do you know Jesus? That's a whole different thing. So I'm going to ask in the quietness of this moment, every eye closed, if you'll just find a place you can stand comfortably for a moment. I want to turn your heart toward prayer. If it's true, if Jesus really isn't dead, if he really is alive, and if he really did walk out of that grave, then he really is closer than you think. And if he really is closer than you think, He's already been talking to you. And maybe this morning you feel a pull in your heart or a nudge on the inside. Maybe a picture has come to your mind, an impression that you need to respond in some way, that God sees you, that you're somehow beginning to feel and experience God's love and personal care for you. Today, God is inviting you into a real relationship with Him. So today, with every eye closed, here's what I want to ask you to do. I want to ask you in just a moment to respond.
I'm not inviting you. Because if I invite you, not much good's going to come of it. But if Jesus is inviting you, if you can feel, if you can sense that stir in your heart, maybe, maybe you've been out of church for a long time, maybe you've never been, maybe you had a relationship with Jesus at some point, but if you're honest today, you feel pretty disconnected. Or maybe you've never had a relationship. But you say today, Jesus is doing something in my life. And today I want to start a real relationship with Him. With every eye closed, I just want to ask you to lift your hand and say, would you pray for me? I want to start a real relationship with Jesus. Would you just lift your hand so I can see it? Just lift your hand up so I can see it. Thank you. Put it right back down. Yeah. Just lift it up. Thank you so much. You can put it down. Yeah. Thank you in the balcony. Two, three in the balcony. Yeah, I see you. Thank you. You can put it right back down. I'm not going to embarrass you. Just want, just want you to acknowledge that that's happening in your life. going to wait another minute. Just lift your hand up and say, today I want to start a real relationship. I want to reconnect in a real relationship with Jesus. I need a new start. I don't want to keep going the way I'm going. If I'm honest today, I need God. Anybody else before we pray? Thank you. With every eye closed, I have one other, one other invitation for you today. Some of you are here, and if you were honest, you might be dressed up, and you might be on your best look today. But if you were really honest, you'd say, there's some things going on in my life. There's some disappointments, and there's some hurts, and there's some things I don't understand. And there's some things in my heart. And maybe you say, I don't see Jesus at work in those things. And if I'm honest today, I'm struggling with those things. And I really do, I really do need prayer. I really do need God to show himself to me or to help me or to intervene or to prove to me again or reveal his love. I, there's some things going on. If I'm honest I need God's help today. Would you just lift your hand up and say, you know what, that's me. If I'm honest, that's just me. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Yeah, in the back, in the middle. Yeah, thank you. Thank you in the front. Yeah. Hey, it's okay, man. Thank you in the balcony. Yeah, four, five, six, seven, the balcony. Thank you. Yeah, we want to pray with you today. Man, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Here's, here's what I want to do with every eye closed. I'm going to begin to pray. And as I begin to pray, we have prayer team all over this building. We have prayer team in, in the corner. We have them in the corner of the balcony. We have prayer team here uh, on the floor. And if you lifted your hand for any reason, when I begin to pray, what I want you to do is I want you to move to one of the prayer team members. 
I just want you to move to one of them. Here's all they're going to do. They're going to pray with you. They're going to encourage you. You just tell them, I, I, I came to reconnect with Jesus today. Or I came to start a real relationship. Or I came today because I got some things, if I'm honest, and I really do need God's help. And can I tell you something? When you take that step, God is going to meet you there. And He's going to begin to work and He's going to begin to help you. But you have to take the step. Nobody's going to embarrass you. We're not going to ask you to do anything weird. We just have a group of folks who've been praying. My, my single prayer for you for four weeks has been, I pray today that you'll see Jesus. If you don't take a step, maybe, maybe that won't happen. I don't know. But I'm going to ask you, if there are people around you, say, hey, excuse me, just a minute, can you let me out? The worship team's going to begin to sing in a minute, and I want to ask you to come. So if you, if you need prayer, only the people who need prayer, would you just open your eyes? And would you find a prayer team person close to you? And when I begin to pray, would you just move toward them? Lord, I thank you today for the grace of God that's in this place. I thank you today for the presence of Jesus Christ, that you are alive, that your resurrection power is flowing and moving through this room, that you are moving in hearts and minds right now. You are changing and setting free and healing and bringing back to life and you're reconnecting and starting new relationship again I thank you today that you're working in this moment I thank you Lord that you've not abandoned us that you are close you are close and you are here we thank you for it today as the worship team begins to sing if you lifted your hand won't you come there prayer team on each side of the balcony on the floor and uh, at the top and here. Lord, we praise you. By your spirit.